0: Please remain standing for this morning's scripture. I'll be reading from the 16th chapter of Exodus, beginning in verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Pathetic. Just pathetic. The Israelites have been led by God out of Egypt. They've seen God deliver them from the hands and the power of Pharaoh. Ten different plagues God has brought upon the land, all more powerful than the rest. Delivered from the hands of an obstinate dictator. Then they journey out into the desert and they're pinned against the the Red Sea. Where will they go? The Israelites behind them, the sea in front of them. God parts The sea and they walk through it on dry ground with the sea closing on their destructors behind them. Pathetic. They get into the desert and they start to whine and grumble and complain against their God. This God who has heard their cries in Egypt and delivered them from the hands of the dictator Pharaoh. Now to lead them out into the desert wilderness to do what? to worship God. And how do they respond but with grumblings and complainings? As I looked at this scripture in preparation for this morning, I was a little bit shocked and disgusted by the state of the Israelites, given all the wonders that they had seen, how quickly they could forget the majesty and provision of God in their lives. To complain about a little thing like Bread and water. As I thought more about the scripture, I thought about what it would be like to journey with a group out into the desert. The hot sun that we can likely identify with. Parched, dry lands. Groans of your own stomach grumbling for hunger. Wanting food, needing sustenance. As I thought more and more about the Israelites journey, I began to have more and more compassion with them. I began to identify with them. How often is it that I lose sight of my focus of what God has done, even in previous weeks in majestic ways, when my stomach groans for food and yearns for water? See, in the passage before our this morning in chapter 15, the people are looking not just for food, but for water, for the water they have come to is bitter and they cannot drink it. This morning, we find them looking for food. I thought this morning of the journeys that we take and the things that we need along the way. Food and water are the core thing for our nourishment daily. Daily. Look how quickly the Israelites forget what God has done with with them, for them, through them in this time when they don't have their daily sustenance. See, on this journey with God in life, and especially in our desert times, like the Israelites face this morning in Exodus, we learn just who God is for us. This morning, the Israelites will learn that God is their provider, that he provides for their daily needs The very food that they will eat that will physically nourish them and take them through the day. Now, in reality, God is our provider at all times. God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. When writing about Jesus, it says that in him and by him and through him, all things were made and all things hold together. In fact, we cannot take the next breath without the gift of God. So, no, all things are a gift from God. This is a reality that they have been living in all their lives. But God takes them to a point where they feel the pains of their hunger and cry out to him to teach his people, the Israelites, that he is their provider and their sustainer. Why is it that our Lord does this with us? Why is it that he takes us to the place of hunger and need and sometimes even deep pain to where we will cry out to him for provision? I'm not sure if it's a necessity or not, but I know that in the comforts of Egypt, they do not know this reality of God as provider. As I prepared for this morning, I thought of the journeys I took as a child on long road trips with my family I thought about the first time we left and how I didn't have the assurance of the things I knew. See, at home, I wake up in the morning, go downstairs to the kitchen, and my parents would make me breakfast. But in the car ride, I realized that we had left the kitchen behind. Not only had we left the pots and the pans and the things we used to make breakfast, we'd also left the food As a child, you start to wonder how this is going to work. Fortunately, I have loving parents and they fed us. You quickly discover that your needs are more taken care of than you realize. But this is what the Israelites will discover in this passage this morning. God is provider. See, their whining and complaining is not really something that God addresses. You notice how he responds. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. See, when I look at this scripture, I immediately go to, to the Israelites complaining. They're grumbling against their leaders, their doubt in God, especially based on the majestic things they have seen Him do. But God goes straight to provision for us, meeting the needs of His beloved children and then gathering Him to Himself. Look at what he says in verse nine, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. God, like a loving parent, feeds his children and then welcomes them into his arm, his arms and then displays his glory before them. Throughout this passage this morning, God reminds Moses to tell the people He has done these things so that they will know who he is. So you will know it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. He repeats time and time again. The process of the Exodus for the Israelites and for us as well in the trials that we face is the process of experiencing our deep need in life and discovering that God is our provider through and through, even and especially for our daily needs. You see, the Israelites cannot go long in the desert without food. And what does God do? He provides them with manna every day as much as they can eat and meat in the evening, which they have requested. You see, as the Israelites approach the desert, it is a dry and barren land without food and water, a place where they expect they will surely die. But in the presence of the Lord, in relationship with him, they discover it to be a place of intimacy, of discovering who God is, and of abundance. For God provides them with all that they need. I'd suggest this morning that there is a lot that we can learn from the Israelites in their process. First of all, I'd encourage us not to be as critical as I was initially with them. See, they've never experienced this need. They've never been on the trip away from Egypt. They're realizing for the first time how God provides for them. Think of what brought them to Egypt in the first place. It was a plague. They had no food to eat. There was famine. They were hungry. But Joseph was in Egypt and he could give them food. The symbol of Egypt is this provision for them. They came originally out of the hungers of their stomach and the first sign of them leaving. They experienced that same hunger again. We begin to realize the deep tie that they have to Egypt for their provision. So we can approach them with compassion and maybe ourselves when we complain. But what, what can we do to learn from their experience to keep us from this complaining? Well, God reveals himself to us in these trying times and calls us to remember, to know. God talks throughout the Old Testament about the importance of remembering his faithfulness to his people, to us. So I would suggest this morning that we want to place the faithfulness of the Lord before us. Scripture talks about setting up Ebenezer's monuments in our life to remind us of the faithfulness of God, how he has moved in times in our lives so that we do not forget. And then we can start with what God has promised us of who he is in scripture, standing on the promises of God, what he has said he will do, how he will treat us. This week, as I was preparing for this sermon, I started to practice this in the morning. I would start thinking of the wonderful things that God has done, the ways he's delivered me from difficulties and hardships, the different promises that we have in scripture for us as Loving father as provider, as sustainer. And then as I got to the issues of my day or the hardships or the troubles that I faced, I found I started not in concern and worry, but in praise and thanksgiving. You see, what God is doing here is teaching the Israelites how to live in the reality of his presence and his kingdom. It's a focus shift or a mind shift What the New Testament calls the process of renewing our minds or fixing our eyes on Christ. You see, we tend to spend so much time living and focusing on the troubles and struggles of this world. But God calls us to fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's that faith, which is the substance of things hoped for. It breathes life into us. It puts Reality and flesh and bones on the provision and presence of God in our lives. The third thing that God calls us to do from this situation is to ask. See, I saw it first as grumbling and complaining, but the Israelites are making their request known to God. Think of an infant who hasn't learned to talk yet. If they didn't whine and cry when they needed something, you would never know that there was a problem to be dealt with. When a baby cries, we do not see this as a negative thing. We see it as their only way to communicate. The the Israelites are in their infancy stage with the Lord. He is weaning them off Egypt and teaching them how to walk and live in this new freedom and life that he has called them to, which depends on him and him alone. And so they don't know how this works. They grumble and they complain because they're worried. They're hungry. They don't see food in their midst. And how could they? They don't know that this is the God that provides for them yet. They don't know how this will come. Which brings me to our fourth point. It's so often that God's provision does not come in the ways that we expect it. Who could have expected that God would have parted the Red Sea and had the Israelites walk through it? Not me. Who could have expected that God would bring manna down from heaven? Not me. I wouldn't have expected him to provide meat either. Many times in our lives, the ways that God provides for us are not what we expect, but they do fulfill our needs. He, he calls us to come and seek and find, to ask and receive. And finally, God calls us to do this in the midst of community. Whenever God addresses the Israelites He addresses them as a people. Now, this process of remembering the faithfulness of God, of standing on his promises, of making your requests known to him. All these things can be done by us, and it's a wonderful way to start our day. But I suggest when you find yourself in the midst of struggles, do not try and do this alone. We are called to live in the midst of community. Finally, this morning, I'd like to highlight the imagery we have of God providing manna from heaven, bread from heaven. This morning at the altar rail, we will take communion and we will take the bread and the cup. Which Jesus calls us to do these things in remembrance of him and the sacrifice he has made. If there is any fear or doubt in you that God will not provide for you and care for you in your circumstances, I encourage you to remember what Christ has done for you. As you take the bread and the cup this morning, remember not only the way that God provides for us with our daily physical needs, but all we could ever ask or imagine through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.